Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples disciples of of the the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James and I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth, we have a special guest in the studio today, Dr. the Good Reverend Dr. Jeff Rogers. I was excited to see what adjective you <laughs> Jeff, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, to we are doing something really special today. We are live, uh, which we never do, and we're on camera, which we have never been. I mean, a lot, a lot of people Living know color. what maybe you and I look like, but this is what Elizabeth looks like, everybody. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> uh, so we are here doing this for uh, Resource UMC as part of their Connections uh, podcast-a-thon, and uh, we thank them for giving us the opportunity to do this, and we are really excited to be here. Um, yes, we, we are, are called dialogic disciple and dialogic is a weird word. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means as we go forth. But I thought maybe we, how we would start is introduce ourselves. So why don't we start with, <laughs> with, with yes, with the esteemed guest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jeff, as James are to let you know, I'm a elder in the North Georgia conference. I've been an associate pastor here at Northside for the last five years um, at the amazing, wonderful Northside church. And love that's the official name now. We're we're the amazing Northside Church. I want to workshop. Nope, it's done. Got a wife, uh, two kids that are four and two, so life is busy, life is full. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Elizabeth, I'm Elizabeth Shaby. I work in the creative services department here at Northside. I've been here for almost 10 years, which is exciting. A decade of your life at the amazing Northside Church. At the amazing Northside Church. Um, (laughs) (laughs) About two two years ago now, maybe, I started getting a little bit of an itch, uh, felt feeling the call. So I am now um, in a seminary at Wesley Theological Seminary in DC. And it is... It is the most amazing thing that God has done in my life to date. So I'm very grateful for it. Very cool. And uh, I'm James, uh, James Johnson, and uh, I'm the Adult Discipleship Director here at at the amazing Northside Church. That's not going to get old. I'm going to keep using that. Uh, Here at Northside Church, uh, I've been here for a a little over nine years now um, and uh, started this podcast, I think, probably, I mean, we started and stopped a couple times, but we started in earnest just a couple years ago with our former co-host, uh, shout out to Nick Houston or Nick Houston if he's out there somewhere. Uh, but uh, now Elizabeth and I do this uh, on a weekly basis and uh, try to yeah. keep bringing guests like we have Jeff here today. Yeah. Um, so what is what is dialogic disciple? Uh, Elizabeth, talk to us a little bit about uh, the, the theme. We have a we have a motto, right? <laughs> we have a tagline. Let me make sure a I get it right. Line. Pretty sure I wrote it down wrong as we were listening to the intro video. So <laughs> dialogic disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the word. Yes. And James, you came up with that tagline. I did. Um, so you talk a lot about scripture, how scripture is dialogue in itself. So yeah. we have this beautiful bound book that we carry around the Bible, um, but this this book represents dialogue in yeah. itself. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, um, uh, dialogue is a really important part of of the way that I read scripture. It's an important part of how I understand our faith together as Christians, as a church, as a community. Um, I think God loves dialogue. I think he created us for dialogue. And I think he, he loves, uh, he loves debate. He loves, even loves disagreement. The one thing that God doesn't love so much is division. And so how, 
how can we be in dialogue with each other is one of those things that, that is always kind of in the in the forefront of my thinking when I'm reading something in scripture. But what I do love about the Bible is it is an ongoing conversation. It's a conversation about uh, who God is and who we are in relation to God. And so I use that word dialogic, which I stole from uh, a Russian literary critic named Mikhail Bakhtin. <laughs> We're just dropping We're names already here. dropping yeah. names here. <laughs> uh, but the whole... Yeah, <laughs> But his, the whole idea being that we can only find, the only way that we as human beings can find truth is in dialogue. It has to be somewhere in between. Like, I can't hold truth. Elizabeth, you can't hold truth. Jeff, you can't hold truth by yourself. But here in, in this table, in this space between us, the truth kind of comes out of the conversation that we're talking about. I see that in scripture. And when I think about what it means for us to be disciples, I think it's also about uh, our commitment to being in dialogue with the context we find ourselves, right? It, to be in dialogue with the world around us. So, as disciples of the word, the original creative word, who is Jesus Christ. Uh, how can we take that word and be in dialogue with the world that was also created by Jesus Christ, right? That is also uh, sustained by Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where the, the whole dialogic disciple thing comes from. Um, I love that you brought that up. I mean, I'm thinking about how last night I'm teaching disciple Bible study. Right yes. Now. And plug for uh, disciple going, Bible study. Yes. It's amazing. Right. So we read Genesis 12 through 50, this past week. Wow, and that's a people people were asking me, they're like, what is up with Abraham bartering with God? <laughs> that scene is amazing. He's like, what if there are 50 yes. righteous people? <laughs> yeah, right. okay, okay, okay. What about 45? <laughs> And, and like, he takes it down like a fiver every just time. Keeps right? going. <laughs> Amazing. But I'm trying to explain how there's a little bit of back and forth, a relational yes. aspect between Abraham and God in that passage. Right. So, I mean, from the very beginning of scripture, mm -hmm. right, you see how important the relationship and the back and forth between God and humanity and the world around us. Yes. It's an essential aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, James, you talk a lot about, you know, that John passage, right? In the beginning, the word was with God. Yes. And so God in God's self models this dialogue in that Trinitarian relationship for Absolutely. us. Yeah. In fact, that's kind of my favorite way to think about the Trinity. There's really no, uh, I don't think there's any right or wrong way. I mean, there's a lot of wrong ways probably to think about the Trinity. <laughs> Uh, but the way that I think about the Trinity is, uh, as first John four tells us like that God is love and that love is, is a product of the relationship between these three persons in the mm -hmm. Trinity. So God starts off as a relationship, which is to say that God starts off as a conversation, right? That God is that, there's that conversation about what it is to love, what it means to love. And that conversation has spilt out of God into creation. And now, it's, and now we're kind of all invited to be part of that conversation. So it's, uh, that may be, uh, Heresy? I don't know, Jeff. You're here to check my heresy, uh, but elder in the house. <laughs> you are an elder in the United Methodist <laughs> Church. <laughs> Today it's free flowing. Today it's free flowing. That's the problem with live. But uh, but uh, so so as I said before, like one of the things that we try to do here in this podcast, and 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 uh, as we have these conversations, is is to engage our cultural context, is to engage in dialogue with the world around us, and one way to do that is to kind of think of our culture as a toolbox uh, that there are there is a lot of different tools out there in the world that aren't necessarily christian aren't part of the church mm -hmm. that what we would call secular right and how can we how can we use those tools to both um better communicate the gospel to, of jesus christ to people and and as we do disciple making in, in the in that kind of way uh and how do we then also hear back from cultures a word that can be said to us like is there a way that that that's a two-way street there right 
So the church yeah. learns from culture is just as the church tries to lead culture. So that's kind of where I wanted to start today and, and just start by asking the question, what kind of things do we have in that cultural toolbox out there for disciple making? Well, I mean, I think anything in everyday life, I mean, Jesus used these ordinary elements of everyday life, you know, in parables and made extraordinary statements about them to create this dialogue. Um, Jeff, are you going to, we're going to say something? Right. I mean, we're talking about what's in culture that helps us think through our faith and what God calling us to do. And one thing that I've started doing since graduating from seminary uh, and then finishing up with the Dr. Burham is I've read a lot more fiction books mm, yeah. recently. And I've noticed that with a lot of, I miss having time for and, that. <laughs> yeah. Because you read so much theological yes. work that you forget to read other stuff. And There's so other stuff out that. there. <laughs> and, and the other thing that I've loved about reading fiction is uh, not too long ago, I thought to myself, I love reading a certain type of literature but then I thought, my wife is reading these very different books than me. And all of a sudden, I noticed there's a whole other perspectives. And so, I love reading yeah. books mm. from drastically different perspectives yeah. because it helps you just think from a different – it's like exercising a whole other muscle in our thinking. And I think that's essential in our theological thinking so that we get the whole landscape of the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Let me put you on the spot. Is there a particular novel or, or creative fiction that you've read recently that, that spoke to you or – really blown you away so uh, there were um <laughs> so there's a, a writer i will say particularly it's been female writers that have really impacted okay. me because a lot of i didn't even realize it but most of what i was reading were male authors yeah and so you know i, I read a couple of books like Kristen hannah who is just yeah. like a popular writer but uh one was uh, the Nightingale, which is just an amazing story. Okay. France in World War II. Okay. Uh, yeah. I didn't know about. Um, but stories of. You, wait, you didn't know France was in World War II? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a lot about the common woman's experience of France yeah. in World yeah. War II. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. And so just brand new perspectives uh, that I'd never considered before. Yeah. Uh, another one that I read recently was called The Kite Runner. And that's. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a good one. That's on yeah. my list. Yeah. Uh, takes place in Afghanistan mm -hmm. and kind of spans the last 40, 50 years, yeah. which actually helped me understand in my study last night about Abraham stories of hospitality. Yes. Way, yeah. Because you're getting a little bit closer to that area's conception of hospitality. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Dr. Bill, our senior pastor here at Northside church has me reading doom. Uh, and, uh, he had, he, I had asked him a question about it, just texted him one time randomly. I was like, uh, cause I was thinking about reading it. Or I was thinking about watching the movie. I wanted to read the, uh, read the books first, maybe. And I, so I knew he had, he was a big fan. So I texted him. I was like, Hey, uh, doom, is that, is that a thing? Is that good? Whatever, you know? And like the next Sunday I come here and on my desk is a gift from <laughs> Bill, uh, three volume trilogy of Dune. So, and it, it is, it is just rife with theological, uh, imagery and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, yeah, so, but that's exactly what we're talking about. That kind of the, these these other artifacts or these other things that are in our in our everyday experience that aren't explicitly about God, or aren't explicitly mm -hmm. about the church, but they're things that can help us kind of give shape and meaning and language to what we what we believe, what we think. Um, 
uh, I don't know, Elizabeth, we've kind of talked about a couple things. Is there anything in particular that, like, any cultural... Uh, Ted Lasso is my favorite. Uh, yeah. Not explicitly about Jesus, but you have, I mean, the more I watch it, especially seasons one and two, you just have this beautiful picture of what it looks like to, for, for a human being to have this, this belief or this perspective that's just different enough to jar the people that are around Ted, yeah. right? But he has this, this light and, you know, he's got, he's got darkness too, right? We find that out as we get later in the seasons, but um, he's, he's different from the people around him. And he's, he's figured out how to project that um, to, to his team and build this amazing culture that is very counter to what you normally see or, you know, and of, of just support and love and belonging. It's incredible. That yeah. to me is very kingdom of God. There's so much optimism in that show. I think I said yeah. to somebody once. That, Realism too, which is yeah, why I love right. it. Like these real people learning how to have a different perspective, right. a new perspective, a new lens. I said to somebody once that Ted Lasso is the closest you can get to the gospel of Jesus Christ without Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. And I, I think there's some truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would not have thought about that. I mean, I've thought about Ted Lasso as just an example of how people handle problems in a healthy way. Yeah. I feel like every mm-hmm. time I watch something on TV, is it's a show about unhealthy ways yeah, to solve exactly problems. yeah or the anti-hero i mean yeah. we talked about that before yeah like, this anti-hero and uh-huh. like we don't really need any more walter whites out <laughs> do no more don drapers people. please yeah yes. yeah uh, we need a ted lasso for sure uh and you know what's funny about that show just one last thing uh we could probably do this whole thing on ted lasso we wanted to oh yeah uh it came out right as the pandemic started, right? And it is such a good response to cynicism. Like, and we've talked about cynicism uh, seeping into the our theology, our thinking, our church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was just so much optimism in that show. And that I think honestly is exactly what we're talking about. That's a show. That's a that's a literary piece of creation right there that was uh, from the world, right? Not from the church. It's one of yeah. those things where oftentimes we like to think as the church that we have some kind of monopoly on the word of God. Like if God is going to speak, he's going to speak here and he's going to speak through us. And what we oftentimes forget is that if you take that first, uh, you take that John chapter one passage seriously, right? Mm -hmm. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him. All things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Right? So that means that everything in creation has a little bit of the word in it because it was all created by the word. Right? And so God speaks outside of the walls of the church. Um, and one of the ways that we talk about that is in terms of parables. Um, my guy, Carl Bart, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Carl <laughs> Bart. He's just my guy. Nobody else can have him. Uh, Carl Bart talks about what he calls uh, secular parables. Uh, and these are uh, ways in which the world can actually teach us or, or present to us um, the word of God. Um, but in a secular form, secular format, um, that there are parables of the kingdom even outside the walls of the church. Uh, and and so he's in that sense, he's talking about uh, books like we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not TV, didn't have TV back then, or films, those <laughs> kind of things. Um, but all of these kind of ways, paintings, art, all kinds of, of human creations and, and cultural artifacts that are out there can speak to us. And he kind of talks about it in this terms of uh, the spectrum, uh, in the sense of how we can access as human beings, how we can access the word of God, like on this end of the spectrum, the purest form that we have is a relationship with the actual word of God, who's Jesus Christ. That is the purest and cleanest form uh, of, of the, you know, of the word of God is the person, Jesus Christ. And then over here, then kind of moving over a notch, you get this, this book right here, right? The occasion, the occasion for the (laughs) word of God to speak is right here in this. This is the primary source 
where God has spoken and, and God speaks through this book a, a lot of times, right? So that's the second time. And then the third kind of uh, place on that spectrum is through, through the church, in the church, from the pulpit, uh, or in a Bible study, or just passing somebody in the hallway. God can speak in a way that, that is in that community of the church. But then finally, on the, on the far other end of the spectrum from, from Jesus over here, uh, you have how God speaks through creation, how God speaks through culture, how God speaks through ways that, that oftentimes we don't pay attention to or we don't mm -hmm. think about. And, yeah. and Bart talks about how we can see those as parables of the kingdom of God. Two things that I thought of as you were talking. First, you know, the, the occasion being in the pulpit, the spoken word of God. As somebody that preaches often, I will say you reach into your own life in the world around you for mm. what we'll oftentimes call sermon illustrations. Mm -hmm. But really, that's a, another way to say a modern day parable. Yeah. If you really want to get down to it. Now, some of them are a little bit more of a stretch than others. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you ever fudge those sermon illustrations, Jeff? Do you ever add little details or exaggerate certain things? Yeah. yeah, in the way of a good story. <laughs> you know, the idea that the Word of God is in the culture around us. I took a class in seminary taught by Luke Timothy Johnson. Uh, LTJ. Gentiles. And he talked about how the light uh, is in the Gentiles. We're not just supposed to share it two folks outside of the church but there's yeah. a and this book right here oh look well, at that <laughs> nice. that's amazing <laughs> that was not playing <laughs> yes that's that's amazing we did a, a section on the pharisees in my new testament class uh, and talking about like the perspective that these folks bring and you know is in a lot of the gospels you get this really harsh critique of who these folks are but the reality is is that this group of people were dedicated you know they were faithful people that just were trying to live into what god had for them like yeah. these are these are lay folks in the church right they have good hearts they are trying to make you know make the best of it but what's happened is that they've kind of gotten stuck right they've had yeah. a hard time seeing god be present in these new ways right we we have this box for god and i we were talking about this and it hit me like i do this right yeah i mean don't we all do this right this is how we're used to seeing god this is how we know god's gonna show up and it's it's kind of jarring when suddenly someone presents us with a new idea of how god can be present with us. Yeah. But that's what this whole conversation is about, right? Can we learn to have a lens that allows us to see God in new and fresh ways, to look outside of that box that we're used to and experience God in everything yeah. from this personal, you know, I'm praying and God is there everywhere through scripture, through the church and into culture. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'm appreciating most about my doctorate program. You did the same thing at Kamler's and uh, we had all different perspectives. Mm -hmm. The folks that were in my cohort were mostly not Methodist pastors. They were from different denominations, oh, that's yeah, fun. A, okay. a lot of different backgrounds. And so we had a UCC pastor with us who would talk all the time and remind us that the spirit is still speaking. Yes. Right. That was, that was yeah. their thing. And they did a much better job than this guy who wants <laughs> <Tradition>. uh, <laughs> so those various voices but the other perspectives yeah help us all mm -hmm. be 
more well-rounded. Yeah. And when, yeah. when we engage those uh, other voices and, and ways in which culture kind of presents these things to us, and we engage them as parables. That's what exactly what they do is, uh, Elizabeth, as you mm-hmm. were saying, they kind of shape our lens, right? And part of what it means to come to church and be part of this kind of university of discipleship that we are here at the church, like, is to kind of shape a view of the world where we can see Jesus and we can see God mm-hmm. in places where if you didn't have that lens or those eyes of faith, right, or there's ears to hear that you wouldn't normally see that or hear that. Did you have something that you wanted to share about? Oh, yeah. So um, we were talking about parables. Uh, Howard Thurman came across this great quote from him where he uh, he talks about how Jesus uses the parables to stimulate our mind. Um, and he says they have parables have always excited the imagination of men because they have tried to see all sorts of things in them, right? So you take this, Jesus takes these ordinary instances of life, you know, wheat, grain, working, you know, farm imagery, vineyard imagery, and makes this sort of extraordinary statement about them that's supposed to jog you a little bit, right? You know, mustard, mustard, uh, seeds don't typically grow into trees. They're really more like shrubs, right? right. Turns out, yeah. but you know, you, you have to be a little steeped in the context to know this, but for the people that were hearing this, it kind of, Oh wait, what is, what is Jesus actually saying? Yeah, right. It's that, that jogging, right? Uh-huh. That uh, the spark of the imagination that you get from these little comparisons and parables. I had a church member at my last church who had memorized massive amounts of scripture. Like he started just with the gospel of John. He'd recite it for churches. Uh, and so oh, wow. he helped me a little bit in, in speaking in front of groups. Uh, right when I got to the church, it, a great, great guy, Brad Cheryl. And uh, he was like, you don't know how much power there is in the word imagination. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's like, when you're preaching, just throw in the word imagination <laughs> sometime. You know, like tell the people sitting in the pew that they should imagine something. And that's what Jesus was doing when he used yeah. these mixed parables. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how we lose that. You know, I mean, I think yes. this, you know, you can talk about Jesus telling us to have childlike faith, right? Imagination is super easy for kids. I mean, I had an imaginary friend. I don't know about y'all, right? But everything is just all my you know, friends are imaginary. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. <laughs> but I think as we get older, you know, we lose that. We lose that ability. So I, you know, it's an invitation, right? We have to be reminded to use that muscle. Yeah, because like we, yeah, like you're just saying, like when we're kids, we have no problem with that. I, yeah, I have an eight year old daughter who is all imagination. Like everything is imagination, right? Uh, and and I, it just baffles me, like what she can imagine, see, and do, like. Uh, and I, I've, I've missed like being able to do that, yeah. right? Because we don't do that anymore. Yeah. We're so convinced. And I, I think this is part of the problem. Like we're convinced that the world we see around us is real and is that's the way it is. Right. But mm-hmm. part of what Jesus is trying to do with the parables here, part of what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ, what eternal life means is to be able to see the world through these eyes of faith where you can actually, it's, you're imagining the work of God in front of you. Right, so it's not imagining in the sense of make believe or make up, but that's what you're right. you're you're either, you're imagining the world one way or other. You're always imagining, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing we forget is that we're. It's not that we're not imagining; it's yeah. that our imaginations have become stale, and yeah. stagnant, and have become cold and rigid, shaped by a world that that doesn't see the newness of God and what the Spirit of God is actually trying to do in our midst. Right? I did a 
little study with N.T. Wright over the summer. Um, he talked about, he broke down the book of Just Acts. you and him? Or? Oh, yeah, just the two of oh, us. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of other people there. <laughs> but he basically did a live exegesis of the book of Acts. Yeah, it was incredible. It was. Um, but that was the whole framework for the conversation was, you know, this world, this kingdom has been inaugurated by the life of Jesus Christ. And it is here and it is now. It did not end when Christ was taken up into heaven. It did not end. Like, it is not coming later. It is here and it is now. Yeah. So what does it mean as disciples in this world to have that lens and to be yeah. able to see that kingdom? And that's what we're talking about today, that's right? Exactly Disciple making. Disciple making. Uh, and that conversation with the world is, is part of what disciple making is all about, right? Um, mm -hmm. Because we're not trying to make disciples in a vacuum. That's the other thing. We're trying to make disciples yeah. who live in this world right now, right? Yeah. The whole, what's the classic phrase, right? Be in the world, not of the world. And that's yes. kind of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. What does it mean to be in the world, but not of the world? I think one of the ways it means it is be in dialogue with the world, be in conversation with the world. A lot of times that means being prophetic or being critical, being a voice of justice or a voice yeah. of righteousness. But then other times, I think the church, you know, has a has a, 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 a track record, we'll just say, of 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 their criticisms and prophecies and whatnot, <laughs> and prophetic voices, I should say. Uh, but a lot of times, the church will close itself off from what the um, what the culture has to say, and that's really yeah. what we're going to try to get at today. Well, I um, think that's where the the idea of a toolbox is. Yes. That's a helpful image because tools are not inherently good or bad, right? They are tools. I mean, they can be higher quality or lower quality, but you know, um, it, they're, it's how we use them yeah. that makes them good or bad, helpful or not helpful. Right. Yeah. So, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, some examples of those tools that we have in, in, in our cultural toolbox or some examples of ways in which we can engage in dialogue as disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, some of those examples include films. I think that's one of the things that I like to dive into, interpreting yeah. films through the eyes of faith. There's uh, Taylor Swift, you know, reading her, listening to her through an I, eyes. I've heard of we have a, a resident T-Swift expert in the house. Uh, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. You are the you are the the the, the, the one that I meets know. both right yeah. Call, me <laughs> call you Neil. Yeah, wow. right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's exactly hilarious. Um, so I guess uh, <laughs> one of the things Elizabeth that you had mentioned before, and I want you to expand on, is is when we begin to kind of look at. Um, look at the world for secular parables and kind yeah. of try to figure out what kind of conversation we're supposed to have with the world as Christians and how that can help us enrich us and mm -hmm. how we can help enrich them. Uh, you've mentioned before that, that that is a, a communal aspect to that beyond the personal. Um, I was hoping you might be able to expand a little bit on that. Yeah, I think um, it's, so, you know, we talk, obviously we talk a lot about dialogue, you know, here and having dialogue, but it's, it's also about being in dialogue with individual faith. So, you know, it's important to pray, right? And to be alone with God and to experience that rest and that solitude. Jesus did that. It's essential, but it has to flow out from us, right? It has to flow into this dialogue with each other. And God, God fills us up, not so that we can just be, God fills us up so that we can go out and serve and to be with other people. And so, it's having a dialogue with, uh, that internal dialogue with our own faith, with God, and then be able to do that with each other as an outpouring of that. Because we can't, we can't develop that lens of culture or the 
of seeing the culture as a tool for your faith if you don't um, if you don't have that dialogue. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think the community aspect of that's really important in sense of being corrective. Um, because yes. one, one of the things that what we're talking about here is, is kind of reaching out in the culture and pulling things that aren't about Jesus and, and looking at them through a lens of Jesus and kind of sculpt, re-sculpting them into Jesus parables, right? Or into parables about the right. kingdom. Inherently, there's dangers, dangers to that, right? Because yes. you could grab the wrong thing. And there's some mm-hmm. things that are just inherently not Christ, right? And can't be reshaped, right? Right. And so you, you can find mm-hmm. yourself, that's why you always have to come back to, to the kind of the, the, the word of God, who's Jesus Christ, the word of God, who's the Bible and the word of God, word of you God find in the church, your friends, your yeah, experts, exactly. The community, right? <laughs> you got to come back your to Dr. Demons. Jeff Rogers. <laughs> well, again, you aren't replacing Christ. Exactly. Exactly. You're using tools to help. Yes. Your yes. Yes. Right. We do a um, faith and film series here uh, at, at Northside. Um, and we've done several in the past. Uh, and I, I'm thinking about uh, a lot of times we're, we're kind of, pointing around and looking at different disciple making opportunities or different disciple making uh, parables, you might say that we can mm-hmm. see around. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we would talk a little bit about that today. Um, some of the obvious ones that I'll just throw out that we're not going to talk about because I think they're kind of fun. And I, I just, I, I, I want to <laughs> just talk about for a second is like, obviously you can watch a movie like star Wars, right. And you can come away with some deep and profound uh, re-understanding of how to imagine your faith to talking about the force, the light side, the dark side, Yoda, right. There we go. <laughs> and you, when you think about disciple making, you can think about, um, you can think about Luke and Yoda in the second, in this, mm-hmm. in the, I guess the fifth episode, right. Which is, uh, there uh is Empire no Strikes Back. yeah, absolutely the best, but you can think about that. And there's a definitely a disciple making kind of situation that's going on there between Yoda mm-hmm. and Luke. And you can, you can use a lens of faith to kind of interpret that and see that and kind of pull something away from that, that maybe help you understand your discipleship with Jesus Christ. Um, I think of one of my favorite movies, um, not endorsed by adult discipleship here at uh, Northside Church, but uh, <laughs> maybe the best baseball movie of all time, other than Field of Dreams, is Bull Durham. Uh, and it's a Kevin Costner movie, came out in the late 80s. But there's a great there's a great disciple-making relationship between a character there named Crash Davis and a young uh, Tim, Tim Robbins? Wow, oh, the guy who played in Shawshank Redemption. What was that guy's name? Uh, I can't That's remember. That's also a great yeah, one. That was Tim, I think it's Tim Robbins. But, but anyway, uh, whoever it is, there's a great uh, disciple-making kind of uh, metaphor there or parable there that you can kind of pull away. Um, do you guys, like, just off the top of your head or, or thinking about, like, what are some other disciple-making parables that we can see uh, in our culture, whether in film or anywhere else, really? I mean, you talk about light and darkness, and I automatically think about Harry Potter, you know, and I did not oh, read yeah. that first, you know, as a young kid with that lens, but as um as i got older you know yeah. I, I would remember things right because i am like deeply shaped by that right yeah. i am the, well, you know jeff you're my age they call us the harry potter generation right because we aged with harry potter right. and so i've been able to think back to quotes or things that were impactful for me you know there's that whole light and darkness metaphor there you know it's how you use it right i think dumbledore says that at one point right it's it's you've got both inside of you what how you use it is what matters right and here i am at the age of you know 32 and i'm like oh this is this is Jesus. There's Jesus in this. <laughs> you learn Perfect lesson. You can reflect back on yeah. the stories yes. that you've heard from the past, and you hear those old stories in a new way. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly those, right. Any of those classic works that have kind of the sage wise. Mm-hmm. For me, I love Gandalf. Right there, we go. <laughs> uh, his you shall not pass. <laughs> 
fighting the Balrogs. Not the thing What does that mean for the kingdom of God, Jeff? That's a good example of what not to do when using the culture to understand. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, also, you know, I think about the Karate Kid. Oh yes. Yes. yes, Miyagi. Paint the fence, <laughs> Paint the right? Yes, I tried right. to teach that to my daughter. Uh, she's taking karate right now. Uh-huh. My eight-year-old daughter, Kiefer, she's taking karate, and she came home and you know, and we were talking about what she learned. And I was like, "Well, let me teach her some karate, right?" And I was like, "Paint the fence, right?" Wax on, wax off. We watched Great Kid, and so we practiced these things, and she's learned them. She was like. Right, and then she went back to her dojo, and her sensei was like, "Don't ever watch that movie again." I was so disappointed. I was like, "But it's a great example for what we're talking about." You pick things up, you learn things. Right? He doesn't understand at first why he would be doing these these motions, and but it turns out like this is part of the disciple making process, right? You learn these practices, and then they can later inform your faith. And there's a certain sense in which that's what we're doing as a church. It's trying to Miyagi the world in the faith. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Reeling them in through Harry Potter. Right? Right? Reeling them in through Harry Potter, right? <laughs> <laughs> one of the, so one of the faith in film series we did uh, not too long ago uh, during the pandemic uh, was uh, we did a faith in film on the imagination of God. How the imagination, we've been talking about imagination if, and how, how powerful our imagination is and yet how limited in scope it can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Imagine what the uh, imagine what the imagination of God must be like, right? Uh, so, in that, in that series, we talked about a lot of different movies. We talked about Big Fish, great movie. We talked oh, about The Truman Show. We talked about all of these different movies. But one of the movies in particular we talked about that I, I kind of wanted to discuss with you guys today is kind of an example of what we've been talking about here at Dialogic Disciple. Uh, it's a movie called Arrival. My favorite movie. It's your favorite movie. Wow. Number one. I think so. Yes. Right. Have you ever I seen The Godfather? Arrival. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a classic guy thing. Right. Yeah. Have you seen the Barbie movie? <laughs> I have, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Changed my life. Uh, so, <laughs> so, anyway. Someone else is going to get Let's my talk reference. About <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about it. You're supposed to bring us in, Jeff, when we get out, when we get out of control. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Arrival, though. So we talked about this in the sense of uh, the spoiler alert. I should say, if you haven't seen Arrival and don't want to know what happens, in you that should film, probably go find another activity uh, right now. You should probably just go watch the movie. <laughs> go it, watch it, the is, movie. it is truly impactful, <laughs> great, fantastic film. Uh, the plays with the idea of alien invasion, right? So it, immediately upon watching the movie, you, when you saw the uh, previews for this movie, you think, "Oh, this is an alien invasion movie," right? And so these it spaceships is. show up in the way that um, Independence Day, like the spaceships just show up, yeah. right? And yeah. you're like, oh, when are they going to attack? No, 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 no. No, but it's playing with that trope, right? It's playing yeah, with that yeah. idea. Like all these spaceships show up across the world and no one knows what they are, what they're about to do. Just like right. Independence Day, right? And then they find out that, you know, in Independence Day, they're going to blow everything up. But in Arrival, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do, right? What's going right. on there? Not blow everything up. Yeah. Right. 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 Healthier solution. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just, to, just as a way to talk about that, um, one of the things that that movie really uh, delves into is the idea of language and how important language it is in shaping the world around us, shaping our imagination, mm-hmm. shaping all of those things. Um, let's just have a little conversation about how arrival in, in shaping language and or whatever other aspect, like how does this movie play for us as a parable of the kingdom of God? Yeah. I mean, so for anyone that hasn't seen it or a reminder in case it's been a while, um, Amy Adams character, Louise is, 
um, trying to communicate with aliens because they don't speak the same language. And so she's trying to teach them English. At the same time, the aliens are trying to teach her their language. And so it's, it's this attempt at dialogue between the two of them. And eventually the aliens, they give, they give a, a tool, they give something um, to everyone on earth. And that's, they're trying to figure out what is this tool? What is this tool? Yeah. What is this thing? Um, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I was just going to jump in. To yeah. 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 That's yeah. Where we're at. yeah. Yeah. That's where we're Let's at. Go. So <laughs> language is the biggest thing for me. The biggest takeaway is that the language, besides all the tears that came out of my eyeball, <laughs> it is a sad one. Um, it can be sad. Right. The language is circular instead of linear. Yes. The aliens language. Yes. Aliens, right. Yes. Not yes. Yes. In circles currently. Well, we might be. <laughs> well, we kind of are <laughs> a little bit. We do that bit, sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> but, uh, the feedback loop that, <laughs> that we're talking about. That's right. Um, and, but there's something about the reason the movie is called Arrival is because there's something about reaching the end and being back at the beginning and seeing it in a whole new way. Yes. It's kind of hermeneutic circle. Mm-hmm. As you learn something, it reinforces uh, a previous experience you've had, previous things you've read, mm-hmm. um, and then you might get to the read the same thing, watch the same movie again, read the same Bible story a new time, but you've had some experience in your life or something yes. going on that allows you to come to this new place in your life with something different. Yes, yeah. that's very good. And that's all, I mean, part of the process of what, this, this gift that the aliens are trying to give Louise, right, is this ability to do this. Their language is this circular, this circle, right? It's mm-hmm. all, it's visuals. It looks kind of like ink splotches. And they're trying to give her the ability or teach her this ability to see life like this in this kind of circular way. And, and then to then as a result, to be able to experience those things differently, right? Experience life differently, the events in your life to understand them in a different way. And that's really um, the thing. So the, the language, the, the language of the aliens is the actual tool that they're trying to give. Right. right. And what it does right. for Amy Adams character is that it gives her the ability to see all of time at once. One's going to go, right. Mm-hmm. She can see both the future and the past because it turns out time isn't as linear as we experience it. And that they, right. the implication of the movie being that uh, human language somehow limits us to this linear understanding of time so that we think of yesterday, today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But if you have a different language, you can actually experience the world in a different way. Right. That for me works as, is a perfect parable for how how yes. having faith or having the language of the Bible, you know, oftentimes mm-hmm. learning the Bible, uh, learning how to read the Bible and learning how to apply the Bible is a lot like learning a whole new language. Even if you're reading a translation, like the, what the Bible is giving you is a whole different perspective of the world. Now, in the same way that the aliens are trying to give right. you that tool, this is like a tool that God yes. has given us. Yes. And once you once you get into it and you learn it and Amy Adams' character, it took her a while to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. Even by the end of the movie, she hasn't quite figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. It's a lifetime. Um, It's a lifetime of kind of learning and relearning, like any language, right? Any kind of language. But when you dive into scripture and you really start to get into, uh, as a community and as individuals, but Mm -hmm. I think more so as a community, you start to learn that language and you begin to take on that lens. And all of a sudden, the world opens up in a whole different way. And you begin to see things that you, you could never have thought possible before. And all, every, all of a sudden you go from a world where there are no miracles to everything's a miracle. Yes. Like every breath I take <laughs> is a miracle. Right. And so there's, there's a level of, um, of, of that movie that, that really unlocks that kind of 
that insight that that learning this language completely changes how you experience the world just like learning scripture or having faith completely changes the way that we see the world mm-hmm. right my favorite line in the movie um, is so uh, Amy Adams, like the the drop site where the alien little sh- alien spaceship is in the U.S. Right, that's where Amy Adams is. She's trying to teach them English, and then she's her and her team start communicating with all these other um, sites around the world where the other alien ships have landed. And so you know you get the Chinese folks where they're trying to teach them Chinese, right? Everyone's trying to teach them a different language, and then all trying to communicate with each other to figure out what it is these aliens have given them. What is the gift? Right. And so she's, Amy Adams is talking to her colleague and she says, let's say that I taught them, meaning the aliens, chess instead of English. Every conversation is a game. Every idea expressed through opposition, victory and defeat. You see the problem? If all I ever gave you was a hammer, everything is a nail. It's the same exact conversation, right? right. There, that particular quote is in the negative, right? If right. All, all I ever gave you is a hammer, everything is a nail, right? But if all I ever give you is scripture, right? Everything right. Right. is the lens of God. Yeah. Right. If you if you saturate yourself mostly in scripture, if that's your primary lens mm-hmm. looking at the rest of the world, then the, the other books you read, the other movies you see, you can see that through the ideas that Jesus says yeah that's a better way to say it yeah (laughs) thank you jeff (laughs) the way i think a lot of people who are trying to become faithful disciples live is that the bible is like a it's one among many of their right right? it's not the lens they're looking through right they're looking through Mm -hmm. their own personal life experience Mm -hmm. lens and then that's uh that's just one among many ideas that, that they're working through the idea is to become so well versed in the word of God, first is the relationship with you, yeah. second through scripture, that you're able to see everything else through that. And we and we do that together as a community too, right? So like learning how to read, because this is not an easy book to read. Let's just be honest. Like it's oh, not, it it, not, the Bible's not easy. Uh, and in fact, to really, to really get into it and learn it, uh, it takes time. It takes dedication. It takes effort. Um, sometimes God can speak to through it without any kind of like whatever, right? There's times you read a, a piece of uh, scripture and it just knocks you down and you don't know anything about the context or story, whatever it doesn't matter, right? But but to actually live this as an experience, you know, to actually engage this as a language and to have that shape the way that we imagine and see the world, that is a whole different level of devotion that's required. Um, and it takes time and it takes community. It takes community to do that. We need to help each other in that kind of th- that way disciple making nobody becomes a disciple by themselves right? right and nobody learns to read scripture by themselves nobody learns to be christian you know as john wesley i'm quote some some years oh, your boy here yeah this is yeah if you're playing john wesley I, I think that's a free square in the middle but uh but as john wesley said there is no holiness it is not social holiness there is yeah there's a, there's a sociality to both holiness and ascent i mean there there is the social nature to our imagination uh, to our experience to our living in the world that i think you know, to get back to why we do the dialogue thing in the first place right. is that it, it opens up that that uh, aspect, I think, of, of our just human experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, our, our imagination expands the horizon uh-huh. of how we can see the kingdom of God. And when we reach into other people's imagination as well, it's it's exponential. It's unlimited. I mean, I think about our Sunday school class that I lead. Well, we always look at the sermon and the devotions from the week before. Uh, yeah. And sometimes it's the sermon that I preach. And so... <laughs> 
I'll ask people questions like, oh, what did you think about this verse that I yeah. heard from? Because I did a lot of study and a lot of prep, and but I want to hear their perspective mm-hmm. on these questions that I'm dealing with. And it's fascinating to watch how sometimes, uh, even though they heard the sermon, they'll just repeat back an idea that they heard like it was brand new. And I'm like, oh, cool, great. But then there are other times where they reach into aspects of the imagination that I would have yeah. never come up with because my lived experience doesn't didn't bring me to that, right. that idea. I mean, I think that's that's a Pentecost moment, right? That's a Holy Spirit thing, right? It's this this experience of collective imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Together as the body, you know, we are speaking different languages, but if we have this collective imagination, you know, centered in Christ, in the Spirit, we speak the same language through that. Yes. That's the power. The Spirit is our language, right? Yeah. Well, guys, this is a great conversation. Uh, I hate to wrap it up, this but we're almost fun. out of time. Um, any final thoughts? Any final words you have for for the people up there? <laughs> uh, I always try to give. Yeah, I try right? to give the guest the last word. <laughs> oh, I've uh, yeah. Oh. oh no, no, no. <laughs> well, well. I was, well, <laughs> was going to say, be willing to be imaginative, right? I yes. mean, that, that's I think is the call. This reminder that you know, you know, we are adults. You know, for those of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, be willing to engage that imagination. Be willing to wake that up. It's not just for kids. It's for all of us. Yes. Maybe that's what childlike faith is. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, find the people to be in dialogue with yes. and challenge one another to imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, guys, Elizabeth, thank you so much. The good Reverend Doctor. Thank you for being here. Guys, thank you for listening thank you so and much. paying attention to us. You. We appreciate you guys being here. Thank you again to Resource UMC for hosting this amazing uh, podcast-a-thon. We hope that you guys will stick around and, and, and listen to some of the other podcasts that are being broadcast as well. We drop a new episode every week, so follow us or find us on Spotify. or Dialogic Disciple. Dialogic Disciple. There you go. And uh, uh, go and sin no more. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>